Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. to be some kind of stupid secret code we can't tell you because you're not a member of the club oh yeah what does it take to be a member besides being a moron (laughs) moron (laughs) as a requirement (laughs) sorry squidward but you couldn't get in even if you tried Well, I'll have you know that I am a member of over 20 different exclusive clubs all across the sea bottom. What did he say? I don't know. Something about his nose? Squidward, you and your nose will definitely not fit in. Oh, what do you two zeros know about fitting in? Why, you should be begging me to join. Wait, wait, no, 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 Third episode of our three-part series on insiders, and today we're going to talk about going out into the world and becoming a citizen, and all of the many clubs and groups and societies, some of them exclusive, some of them very public, some of them secret, Yeah. and our experience with those things, right, Riles? That's right, and um, the... uh points of reference for these ideas I suppose as a child would be things like in uh, espionage type of stories like think of John le Carre or uh, Alfred Hitchcock movies they often have these secret uh, operations and operatives working for unknown shadowy groups and things like that so these ideas of exclusive groups seemed very nefarious to me as a child and um, not something that I would want to engage with. But of course, there's much more mundane examples in the real world that we have, like your uh, local bowling club or golf club or boat club or what have you. Yeah, then there's all uh, the groups and clubs that you've got to join just to be a citizen. You've got to uh, get a whole lot of licenses and permits and certificates and become part of all kinds of groups in society. Mm. And not wanting to do it, I mean, this is obviously not... uh, We're not the only people that have expressed this kind of sentiment. I never want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member. Yes, that was Woody Allen there, quoting Groucho Marx. And uh, it's a line that I've used myself in my lifetime. Now, John, I believe you have a song for us. Yeah, so this is a song by uh, a musician named Jim Page, who's an activist. Uh, And that's another pretty special group we're going to talk a bit more about later on. 
uh, and this is a song called Over My Dead Body. We are born of nature, and in nature we will die. Oh, and if we don't make it, it's not because we didn't try. No, it's not because we didn't try. They say they will incorporate the world over my dead body, over my dead body, over my dead body, over my. They have all the money. But we have the will and I would rather be a match than a paper dollar bill. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. They have the guns. All we are is flesh and blood. But we will multiply our numbers and drown them in our flood. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. They say they will incorporate the world. Over my dead body, over my dead body, over my dead body, over my... What they say, but we will turn those tables, take their power away. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. We will not be dissuaded, and we will not turn around. We will face the barricades, and we will tear them down. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. They say they will incorporate the world over my dead body. Over my dead body, over my dead body, over my... You can call me a fool, that's alright with me, I will live to see good round world breaking free yes i will yes i will they say they will incorporate the world over my dead body over my dead body over my dead body over mine they say they will incorporate the world over my dead body, over my dead body, over my dead body, over mine. Activism. There's a club. That's right. Ever been in any activist type situations? Yeah, well, there's a big history of it in my family, on both sides of my family. Uh, both my grandparents were involved in the Communist Party, and uh, my mum... Wow, is that secret? I don't know how secret it was at the time, uh, but concurrent with that, uh, my mum was very much involved in the protests of the Vietnam War in the 70s. Yeah, that was my time. Vietnam was a huge part of uh, my family's life, living on an army base. For me, it was the Iraq War when I was a little boy, 
and uh, I actually went to some marches protesting that when I was uh, around seven, eight years old. Wow, that must have been amazing. I remember seeing um, protests on television, but I lived in a country town, <laughs> mm. and there wasn't much protesting going on out there. Yeah. Wow. What was it like going to a protest? Um, well, it was fascinating. There was so many people walking, just rows and rows of them. And I didn't really understand, you know, what it was about at the time. I was very young. But I remember that I had this drink bottle and I was squirting the water up into the air. It had one of those rubber suction holes at the top. And I squirted this water up and then it would turn into vapor and sprinkle down. And I remember seeing the vapor coming down and landing on this woman who was walking a couple of rows away from me and she was looking at this stuff coming down like it was this profound experience for her like she was so amazed that this water was just coming down and I at that point I remember thinking I'm like a god I'm controlling this woman's reality and she doesn't know that I'm causing it and you were vibing on the energy I guess it's like <laughs> yeah. uh, like big sports events or uh, any kind of a big event where you get a lot of people, there's this mm. there's this energy that can possess people yeah. know, the, in good ways and bad ways. Yeah, and you really uh, can only get that kind of buzz from those big events, as you say, whether it's a protest or a concert or anything with large groups of people together, it kind of... Uh, people merge in interesting sorts of ways. And it's a fantastic power that can be harnessed for good or bad, hey? Mm, definitely. Yes, so there's also a, a powerful force that operates in small groups as well as big groups, but it um, can often be with the individual instead of with the mob. Um, and the kind of thing I'm thinking about is self-help groups. You ever been in any self-help groups, Riley? No, but uh, when I was a teenager, I often wished that I was. What kind of groups did you want to join? Um, a self-help group for like people that had like my specific uh, problems, but I didn't right. know anyone that did. So right, like yeah. in Fight Fight Club with the testicular cancer group, mm, that, mm. that dude was going to, and all of the other groups that he was. Yeah, yeah, uh, he got feeding a, off. That's right. Yes. Yeah, there's a real energy in, uh, from my experience, in going to um, self-help groups. I've um, when my rock band ran its course, uh, a couple of years after I left school, I went into a bit of a spiral because I lost all of my direction and um, I was kind of lacking in a lot of living skills and I didn't really understand myself and I didn't really understand the world that I was expected to operate in because um, I didn't get a lot of instruction in school and a lot of things or in my family. And um, I kind of spiraled out of control a bit, to be perfectly honest. And I ended up um, in uh, being sent to a uh, rehab by the courts uh, when I was in my early 20s. And my mum and dad uh, actually started going to a self-help group called Naranon, which is for the families of addicted people. Um, and they took me along to Narcotics Anonymous. Um, and it was a very small fellowship back in those days. Uh, it's quite large now. It's, it's a world, 
worldwide association of people and it's a very uh, special organization as are um, most of the 12-step uh, fellowships because of their structure and their rules they have um, a program that they call the steps most of them and they have what they call the traditions which is how the groups are meant to operate and uh, there's not many rules but they uh, what they do is they um, help the organization um, or they stop it from self-destructing by becoming affiliated and connected with other groups of people um, from being infiltrated and manipulated so they have policies of first of all confidentiality um, but also um, non-association and no leadership so there are rules but no leaders um, and this has kept that organization strong and it was a big reason why I stayed there you ever been to any uh, groups like that Riley well I suppose that uh, there's implicit confidentiality in some of the jobs that I've done like because you're not meant to disclose the personal affairs of uh, students that that you're working with and things yeah, like and that some so, organize organizations you have to actually sign contracts of confidentiality right but um, I guess it's a part of a culture of a lot of organizations they all have um, well they all develop culture whether it's uh, documented or not and quite often that's can be a very scary thing and when an organization develops a, a feral culture um, what tends to happen is they start to be controlled by the the megalomaniacs of the of the um, organization so it's very important for organizations to have a, a very firm mission statement an idea of what they're about and this is one of the problems with corporations that our friend was just singing about um, because corporations operate for profit and if profit is the only motivation very bad bad things can happen particularly when the organizations uh, become very powerful yeah that's interesting I've never been involved myself in any kind of group that has such a strong clearly defined unflinching mission statement no neither did I before I started this whole recovery thing um, I didn't really know what I was recovering from <laughs> I um I didn't know how to you know one of the th first things that um people were talking about was how they felt and I didn't have a um any kind of framework to talk about what was going on inside me in my little internal world that I spent all my time in you know as I talked about before I'm I'm almost kind of autistic in my uh, ability to close uh, the walls to close in on me and to um, focus on my own uh, little little world yeah yeah I definitely relate to that I think that you can miss out on a whole lot of opportunities when you're involved uh, in a group setting when you don't uh, assert yourself or put out uh, your opinions or particular advice or information that uh, could be helpful and it's uh, it's a lot of different factors you know it could be a confidence issue or as you're saying like a, a sense of uh, not fitting in yeah, um, being a part of is, is an important part of the um, what happens in this group situation in, in these meetings. You, you have to find your voice and um, it's a process. 
of, uh, I guess it's a bit like to- Toastmasters. I've ne- never been to Toastmasters before, but I'm actually able to speak in front of groups of people now. And when I was younger, I would um, I would become almost mute. Um, I would get um, so uh, anxious about trying to find words and concepts and trying to put it all together inside my head. Um, I'm a bit dyslexic as well. Um, so I kind of, my words get all jumbled up and I didn't really know how to deal with this. Um, and it's something that came to me uh, quite slowly, uh, going to a lot of meetings. And uh, firstly, um, they tell you to take the cotton wool out of your ears and put it in your mouth. And they tell you that your best thinking got you where you are. So it's time to take a bit of advice from someone else. And that was the first thing that um, I didn't really have much of a problem with that because uh, at that point in my life, I did feel fairly lost. And uh, it was really um, a relief for me to grab hold of somebody's hand, um, particularly somebody I related to, you know, and, and that's what I found in those rooms. I found people people seem to be telling my story. They seem to be talking about my emotions and my experiences. And um, that was a bit of a breakthrough for me. Well, money has its own way and money has to grow. It grows on human blood and bone, as any child would know. It's iron stuff and paper stuff with no life of its own. And so it takes its growing sap from human blood and bone. And many a child goes hungering because the wage is low. And men die on the battlefield to make the money grow. And those that take the money crop are avid without end. They plant it in the tenements to make it grow again. The little that they leave for us, it cannot be a seed. We spend it on the shoddy clothes and every daily need. We spend it in a minute, in an hour it is gone To find its way to grow again On human blood and bone Blood and bone That was Malvina Reynolds with The Money Crop and what a powerful little tune uh, and a great voice and a wonderful performer. It just goes to show you you don't need a lot of technology to make music. Just a bit of cat string on a coconut. And it's powerful. Indeed it is. So Riley, here's a world within a world. Movies. That's right, John. Uh, I've always loved them, but I started to get serious about them uh, when I was in primary school. And uh, I started going onto the internet movie database and just reading all the trivia and all the different uh connections that's how i memorized all the dates of when the movies came out and the directors and that and uh as a kid because i didn't know any other kids that liked to watch old black and white movies so my family got me into them around the age of 11 and so i was kind of like the the movie buff the movie guy and that was something that i maintained it really wasn't until my 20s like my early 20s that I started to make friends with other people who had uh, a similar knowledge and a similar kind of interest in the uh, 
the more obscure stuff and the older stuff as well. And um, I think part of that is that I didn't want to be part of like a movie club because I like to be the movie, the novelty of being the movie guy so that I could just be like, hey, I've got um, all this, these resources, all this knowledge kind of at my disposal and I don't have to compete with anyone for that kind of position. Um, but, uh, it, no, it's, it's been good to, to meet other people who love the stuff that I do as well. And I think that a big part of, uh, nerd culture, and you see this within the fans of comic books and people that do the cosplay, the dressing up as the superheroes and that kind of thing. There's this culture of a shared love and recognition, uh, appreciation of a particular topic so that when you meet other people that know it, that know those films, that know that director, you'll be able to kind of launch into all sorts of uh, quotations and trivia, even if you don't even know that person that well, but that can be a way to cultivate a kind of insider atmosphere. You know, you can talk in your own special language if you're both a fan. So, uh, yeah, being a fan is definitely can be the part of, of being an insider yeah, I'm a big movie fan. Um, unfortunately, I can never remember what the movies are called or the names of the, act, the actors in them. Uh, but I'm still big on movies. Yeah, um, and you're passionate about the ones that you like. And well, they're kind of, um, once again, they're an incredibly powerful uh, medium. experience. Yeah. Medium, absolutely. That's right. Um, and some films can really get under your skin and you can't stop thinking about them and they can even change the way that you approach reality at times because of how much it resonates absolutely look at um look at the role models in movies for example the how the role model of men in film has changed i think that's something we've had discussions about before looking at the old black and white movies and heroes That's in all right. kinds of ways even their physique mm. now yeah now dudes are all like totally steroided out yeah um is a completely different um aesthetic yeah. of what uh your ideal man is to the heroes of say in the 40s or yeah. 50s they just look completely different mm. and they did like so many like things that would be considered reprehensible like oh my father's going to be worried about me. I really have to be getting home. Listen, baby, I'm going to take you. You're going to have no say in the matter. I'm going to... And these are like the heroes of these... <laughs> you see this all in the 40s films. On the more bizarre end of the spectrum, I'm actually aware of a phenomena that uh, is a cultural movement that appeals to young men, specifically autistic young men, it would seem. And this is something that I became aware of in high school um, because a lot of the boys at this school were either currently or formerly they were bronies and the phenomenon of a brony is uh someone a man that is a fan of the tv series my little pony friendship is magic say what thanks for coming so quickly <laughs> sure thing but if you're going to be the ruler of Equestria, you may want to work on your penmanship. This looks like it says, Cadence sent an emergency message, Sombra's back, and he's taking over the Crystal Empire. That's exactly what it says. But, but how is that possible? I thought the Crystal Heart had dispelled him into the ether. I have no idea, but he's back and it's up to us to save the Empire and my family. Now this is just an example of the weird ways that groups 
can form and manifest because this is a, a fandom that's driven largely by online cultures, but it manifests, you know, in, in real life to a point where uh, grown men or young boys are dressing up in this pony attire. And this is a show that was originally conceived for, you know, kids, young girls probably, but it has this resonance, this fandom with uh, young autistic men. And so it's created this whole other movement in of itself. Quite a fascinating thing. So on the subject of disability, I'm actually part of a, a very big club now, which is started by uh, our Prime Minister, Julia Gillard, and it's called the National Disability Ins Insurance Scheme. And this is uh, a world created to take care of um, the part of society that our uh, government is obliged to take care of. That's um, people who have some kind of um, physical or mental disability which makes them difficult to fit into society. Um, and uh, it's become a really big business. It's um, And it's been a rocky road. I've watched it... Uh, all of its teething pains over the last uh, four or five years, um, what happened was that a lot of um, institutions that were based on uh, charity who received, um, got their funds uh, from donations were converted. Um, Organisations like Seeing Eye Dogs, um, there's a whole uh, list of them, mm. um, which were once uh, donation-based and now have become... Uh, funded mm. uh, through this scheme, um, this huge pot of money, and it's um, it was difficult to start with because there was uh, enormous money available, but nobody knew exactly how to use this money. I'm sure this happens a lot with um, new schemes, um, but it slowly got better. I, th I think certainly in my experience it has. Um, we've worked out how to. I can use. Um, I'm part of it. I have. Um, funding that gets assessed every year and basically uh, I try to spend it on things that can enrich my life and help me um, get over some of the hurdles imposed by my um, disability mm. which is I look pretty normal but the world to me doesn't look the way it looks to everybody else and I, I struggle uh, often I get lost. I have types of what they call agnosia, which is um, problems. With, it's a visual uh, problems, interpreting the world and perceiving things visually. And Riley's a great aid to me. We um, and we go see a lot of movies, don't we, Riley? Or well, we watch a lot anyway. We sure do. And one of the great things about being in a collaboration is that you affect each other in all kinds of positive ways. That's right. You can uh, pick up all sorts of different skills and insights and uh, approaches to life in general. And, and that's one of the things that's been really fun with, uh, with working on these shows is that we both have our unique experiences to bring to the table and, and talk about. Yeah, engage in the dialectic. Yeah, um, so this is the final of our Insider series. Um, and I'm, you know, sure that we could keep talking about it for a long time, but I'm uh, very happy with uh, with the shows that we put together. What about you, John? You bet. And we're going to be back in a few weeks uh, with some new topics 
and some new songs and some new experiences and lots of stories, I'd say. Yeah, we're looking forward to it, guys. Indeed. And I'm John Mark. And I'm Riley, and you have been listening to Breaking Waves. Breaking Waves. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital, local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au. Magical is art To the boy and the boy 